0: Well, today we're going to be going through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Big surprise, right? You know, Easter, what would you expect? You know, no, we're going to talk about, no, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you've been following us for the last few weeks, you've been going through a series called Journey to the Cross. And what it's been, it's been a, a week-by-week look at what it took for Jesus to actually get to the cross, and what was the, uh, the steps he took, and what happened along the way. It's a, like a historical timeline, and we learned a few weeks ago about the very, where it started was Judas betraying Jesus. If I remember, Jesus is up. They're having the last supper. Everyone's gathered around. We're going to have the Lord's Supper later on today, but they're having the Lord's Supper. Everyone's doing good, and Jesus says, man, one of you guys is going to betray me, right? One of you guys is going to kind of like totally go against me, and Judas steps up, and He walks out the door. He goes down to the Pharisees and the the chief priests and the elders of the council, and he goes and he says, I'm going to betray Jesus, and they give him 30 shekels of silver, and he betrays betrays Jesus for a little bit of cash, right? And then he comes over to the garden, Jesus is in the garden praying, and what is he betraying with? He betrays him with a kiss on the cheek, and then they arrest Jesus. That was the other thing we talked about, was that Jesus was arrested. And we said that in that sermon, that if Jesus was to be arrested, that he had to shed his His glory in order for people to even touch Him. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the most holy of holies. This is God in the flesh. This is Jesus Christ. And to allow mere sinful men to put cuffs on Him, to be able to come over and beat Him, He would have to temporarily shed that that moment of glory to allow those men to even be able to touch Him. And that was a big thing for Jesus to do. That was a big thing for him. And then we said that, that he was also going to be denied by one of his closest followers in Christ. And we said that many times we can do that when, when we feel like we're so connected to Jesus and we're so connected to him and we think that we're the best Christian out there, but yet us too, just like Peter, can fall short of the glory of God and deny Jesus sometimes. Peter denied him three times on one night. Yet Jesus, as you'll see next week, will always come back. And love on him, even though he denied him. And then we saw Jesus standing before the Jewish council, and he was there, and the scripture says that he stood condemned in our place. And we learned that we are the ones that are rightfully guilty. That Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was sinless in his life. He had no sin of, around him, and yet he stood there condemned for what we did. And we learned that that, was, that that is what we call the glorious exchange, where Jesus stands condemned in our place. Then we saw Jesus being beaten and tortured. we we'll talked talk about that a little bit later on today. But he was beaten and tortured with whips and chains and just it's totally jacked up it's to the point where he was barely alive. And then finally, last week, we saw Jesus actually put to death where he had to carry the cross from the center of the town out to Golgotha, which is the hill where they crucified him. And they nailed nails through his hands, through his wrists. And they hung him there on the, on the cross to die. And he'd take about six hours hanging on the cross and finally died, breathed his last breath. And that's where we left off. And in fact, if that's where the story would left off, that's, that would be a pretty sad story. It would be the story of a fallen hero. We're all hope for the disciples and and all the the, the, the expectations of what Jesus was going to do would actually just be gone. But that's not where the story ends. In fact, the story actually really begins on this next chapter. And it's actually becoming the greatest story in the history of the world. And the best part of it, it's all true. It's all true. All of it. Just like Harrison Ford said in Star Wars, The Force Awakens, it's true. All of it, the Jedi's, everything. You Star Wars nerds get that. You, you know, regular people don't get that. And that's why we're good. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, let's read Mark chapter 16 together here, starting in verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath had passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Solomon brought p- spices so that they might go and anoint him. Where are they going? They're going to anoint Jesus. Jesus was on the cross. He was crucified in the very last chapter. And then they lowered him from the cross. And then there was a guy named Joseph that came up and he wanted Jesus' body. And they said, hey, he went up to Pilate. He goes, Pilate, can I have the body of Jesus? I have a place to bury it. And Pilate says, hey, have that. It's just a dead body. And he went in and took the body put it in the tomb. The Roman guards were scared that the disciples were going to go back and roll the stone away and bring the body out. So they built this huge stone over the entrance of the grave and they sealed it with the Roman seal now if you've ever sealed an envelope the next person who opens it is the person who is intended to open it right so the Romans sealed it up and they intended for no one to open it they didn't want no one to break that seal but they did it anyway so that the disciples not come and fake a resurrection and so what we find out here is Mary and a couple of the other women, Mary Jesus' mom and Mary Magdalene and some of the other women are going to the tomb right now. And what happened was normally when someone dies, they anoint the body with oils and spices to keep it from reeking. If you've ever smelled anything dead, it's not good, no winnow, right? And so, and so they go to anoint the body with something that make it smell good, make it last longer. And as they're on their way over there, they start talking to themselves. This is what they say right here. They say this. They say they're going to bring spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Okay, why did they have to wait to the first day of the week? Well, it was because it was the Sabbath day and they weren't allowed to do any work. So Jesus died, they buried him, and then three days later the Sabbath was over, and now they're going over to do the work that they were supposed to do when he first died, but they couldn't do because of the Sabbath. Y'all, y'all, y'all tracking with me still? I got it. Awesome. Adelante. Let's go. It says, And they were on their way, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us ...from the entrance of the tomb, which I think is funny because women are typically smarter than men. And so women plan ahead and can't get an amen from the ladies. And so they're probably thinking like, who's going to roll away the tomb? You would have thought they would been like, let's get some men over here. Let's get some of the guys from the, from the church and kind of help roll away the stone. But no, they didn't do that, you know. They just kind of went on their way. They were probably excited. So they're walking like, who's going to roll away the stone? Like, who's the chick with the big arms? Who's going to do this? Like, who's going to roll away the stone? And plus, it's sealed. How are we going to break the seal? But they were going with expectations. They knew that they were going with something good. It says, and, uh, and they were looking up. They were saying, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled back, and it was very large. Thank you, the writer of Mark, for explaining that it was very large. It means it's really big grandote, it's huge, okay? It says, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were very alarmed. And he said to them, do not be Alarmed, Okay? You seek the Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Now, whenever we think about angels, just to a side note, we think about the cute little angels you see like in the newspaper, the little kid with the little angel wings that look all cute. No. Every time in the Bible when there was an angel somewhere, people freaked out. You know why? Because they were huge. They were like this monstrous looking dudes, right? They were like tough looking guys, right? And so they walked in the tomb and they're like, holy cow, there's a dude like dressed like all white and linen and they were very very alarmed and like the angel knew he said don't be alarmed like don't be scared i get this a lot you know i get you know and so they got scared and this dude sitting on the right side of the tomb where jesus was slain this is what he says he says you seek jesus of nazareth who was crucified i know why you're here you're looking for the body then he says the greatest words in the bible i think ever, ever written he says he is risen says, he has risen. He is not here. You see the place where he lay. He's not here like, look, you don't believe me. Look, the the shroud is empty. He's not here. He's gone. He's gone. And he said, but go and tell his disciples and Peter. Notice how he called Peter out apart from his disciples. Peter was the one who denied him three times. It was almost as if Jesus said, Tell him to go tell my disciples, oh, and be sure that Peter knows I love him. Even though he he was against me three times, so let him know that I love him. Just make sure he knows that he is extra special to me. That should go and give us actually a lot of comfort knowing that, that God knows that, 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 that we are loved by him, no matter how far we stray from him. So he says, go and tell my disciples and tell Peter, and he is going before you to Galilee. Jesus is going to Galilee. And you will see him there just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb for, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Mission squashed. It's like, it's not kind of like, you know, like when your grandpa calls you up and I'm going to come give you a dollar. And you run away, or if you would have just done what he said, you would have got a dollar. But if they would have just done what the angel had said, they would have spread the word. But they were so scared of the angel, they like ran out and they were terrified, okay? Later on, you're going to see that Jesus actually has to come over. And while they're running away, he has to stop them and reveal himself to Mary. But that's a different story. The main point of today is that Jesus has risen. We find ourselves at the greatest moment of history in the world that Jesus was risen this is huge for everyone that jesus a guy that was once dead is now alive i don't know about you guys but i have never been to a funeral and seen a dude pop up out of the grave if i did i would be scared okay i would be like running out the door but this happened this happened in the course of the history of the world he died and he rose again Jesus had been crucified, killed, buried, secured in a tomb. And we find out today that he has risen back from the dead, risen from the grave. And in fact, he is out of the grave. And he is out the door. And he is already on the way to Galilee. Huge thing. And it means a lot into the history of the world. It is, it is the, the moment that defined calendars. It is the moment that defined so many, um, you know, uh, communities and so many worlds around around the nations around the world. This is the moment in history that people know. Majority of the world knows about this. It was huge. You cannot deny that something happened. Even great scholars, if you don't believe in Jesus, let me just go scientific on you. Even great scientific scholars will not deny that Jesus was here at one time. He walked the earth. Things happened. Biblical facts have been proven. It happened. But what does it mean? Like, what does it mean? To the world, it means so many different things. But what does it mean to you and to me? The question that I want us to wrestle with this morning is, what does the resurrection mean in my life? What does it mean in my life? Maybe it's something you never really thought of before. Maybe it's something that you just think that, oh, this is, this is just another day. This is Easter. This is where we do cascarones and eggs, and we get together and we have a good time barbecue we go to deal's house he gets crazy and then we have to leave early you know whatever it is whatever it is maybe you've never thought about it and maybe you've just never even thought about the resurrection all but but whatever it is i want us to take this question personally today like i want us to stop thinking about the the resurrection as something that happened to the world but i want us to start thinking about the resurrection as something that happened for you Every single one of you here today, it happened to you for a reason. It means something. I seriously doubt that Jesus would not go through all the pain and the trouble and all the stuff that he went through just so that it would mean nothing. He meant it for something. Today, I want to share with you some of the things that the resurrection of Christ means to me and to you. So if you're taking notes, I hope you are, here's number one. The first thing that the resurrection of Christ means is that good is greater than evil. Good is always greater than evil. Judging by the world, you might not know that. You might not see it at times. You might not realize it. Judging by all the crime in the city, you're like, man, good triumphs over evil? Pastor, I know you don't live where I live. We had a drive-by last week. You know We have this going on. Judging by the injustice of our nation, the way people are against each other in our own country of America, the way people are against each other, the hatred that people have for one another, you would not say that good triumphs over evil. Judging by the evil in the world, when you look overseas and you look at the terror that is happening overseas and, and across waters, you would not tell me that good triumphs over evil. No, by judging by the world, you would be very, very true to say that maybe evil is triumphing over good. You would say that. I'm sure it will appear that way, just the way it appeared like on the day of the crucifixion, when Jesus hung there on the cross and he took his last breath. I wonder if Satan breathed a sigh of relief and said, it is finished as well. I wonder if he said, I got him. It's over. The movement is done. You see the same thing throughout scripture, though. You see this, this constant battle between good and through evil throughout Scripture. You see it whenever Satan appeared uh, in, 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 in the moment of the garden when, when Eve is strolling through the garden and there's a, the serpent comes down and says, eat this fruit. You will be like God. You will know everything like God. And what did she do? She walked, no, no, she went ahead and she ate the fruit, okay? So we, evil, so we get the, uh, the Eve, the word evil. ah, so, uh. And she ate the fruit there. That was a joke. Ladies, don't hit me. Uh, and that was, and she ate of the fruit, right? She ate of the fruit. And I bet you the serpent said, I got her. I got him now. And then what she did even further, she went and gave it to her husband who wasn't paying attention. She goes, here, babe. And he's like, what? Okay. You know, like the most, most guys do typically. But it appeared like evil one. But in just a few chapters later, in Genesis 3.15, God promises a redeemer. And the serpent went away, all upset. It appeared that Satan had won in the days of Noah when he thought, that the thoughts and intentions of men's and their hearts were evil and set on evil just all the time. He thought, man, I've won. Everyone, the whole world is covered with evil. The only ones who I need are just Noah and his family. And those are the only good, righteous people. You know what? The whole world is messed up. I am almost there. I'm about to win. And what does God do? He starts all over. He pulls a mulligan and just starts the game all over again. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and the human race was rescued through the righteousness of Noah and his family and the good triumphed over evil at that moment. And it appeared as if Satan had won when Jesus was led to the cross. I can imagine, if you've seen the Passion of Christ where Jesus is going to the cross and you see Satan walking alongside him, just staring at him. I wonder if that was what really happened and he was thinking, I got him now. But as you will see that evil was not going to win. In fact, the great day of awakening was coming just three days later, and it was going to just blow everything out of the water. You see, it seems as if evil will win. But if you look at the bigger picture all the time, you will see that that's just not the case. It might seem like your days are just going bad. It might seem like everything is just messed up in your life. But if you look at the greater picture, one day if you're a believer in Christ, you will have good over evil for eternity. And you have to look at that bigger picture. Uh, The resurrection of Jesus proves that. For us, it means that even when the world around us seems like it's falling apart from all the evil and terrible things, that the resurrection of Christ proves that one day we can live with Jesus for eternity and the good will triumph over evil. The second thing that the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us is that the grace of Jesus is greater than all of our sin. The second thing that the resurrection of Christ shows us is that grace is greater than all of our sin. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it here in Romans 5.20. Uh, it's not going to be in the screen, just, just listen to it. Romans 5.20 says, God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. Were. That's why, because when we hear the gospel for the first time, it's typically bad news because it shows us how sinful we are. But when we continue to read it, the next part becomes real. It says, But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. That means that no matter how bad you are, no matter how far away you stray, no matter how deep into the depths of darkness you get, No matter how bad you treat your wife, how bad you treat your people around you, no matter how much sin you cause upon yourself, no matter how much you do, God's grace comes even more and more and more on you. Some of us need to hear that today. Some of you might think that that we're just just bad, messed up people and there is no way that God can ever catch up to our wrongs, and that's not true. It's what we call Grace. God's perfect sacrifice of himself, his pure and holy blood cleanses us from all the sin if we choose to believe in him. It's called grace. It's called getting what we don't deserve. And it means that no matter how messed up we are, and boy, do we get messed up at times. Amen? Boy, have we messed up at times. I can tell you, my, my life before Christ was different. I may have seemed like a good guy, but internally I was struggling with so many things in my life. Many of you here today might feel like your life is messed up. You might have just done crazy things in your life, and you might still be doing bad things, but God's grace is so much more than that. It also means that no matter uh, how great your sin is in your life, God is greater. Many times we look into our lives and we tend to self-condemn ourselves because of our sin. And you get into a state of depression you get down because, because you do this or you do that or you don't do this or you don't do that. But the case is that God's grace doesn't work that way. If you're a child of God, God has no condemnation for you. There is consequence for your bad choices, but God has love and hope for you there. And that's what his grace does for us. That is why the life of a Christian is so much different from the life of an unbeliever. The life of an unbeliever is defined by how they live. But the life of a Christian is defined by how Jesus died. Did y'all get that? If you're going through this life, judging your life, and determining whether or not you're a good or bad person based on what you do or don't do, that is wrong. When you are a believer in Christ, the way you live is by what Jesus has done for you. And once you choose to believe that, things start to happen in your life. Your life starts to change and you start getting closer to Jesus. The third thing, the resurrection of Jesus shows that love is stronger than hate. That love is stronger than all hatred. The hatred of unbelievers for Christ was clearly revealed that day on the cross. Because as Jesus hung on the cross, there were people all around him just just spewing hatred at him. They were yelling at Jesus. They were insulting Jesus. They were making fun of him. They were mocking him. They put a crown of thorns on his head to make fun of him. And they put a sign that said, King of the Jews. And they dressed him in purple rags. And it was not to claim his royalty. It was to claim a mockery of him and make fun of him. They were just messing with him. But God's love is greater than all of that human hate on that day. Because on the cross, while he was bleeding out and suffering for me and you, and under immense pain, he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, there was a length to God's love. There was a depth to God's love. There was a height to God's love that cannot be fathomed by you and me. You and I cannot fathom that because we are sinful, selfish people. So when someone does us wrong, the thing that we want to do is do wrong to them. Like those of us who get angry and we lash out in our anger, it's because someone has done us wrong and the thing in our mind is to do wrong to them. That's not what Jesus did. Whenever someone did something wrong to him, he forgave them. And many of us men in this room need to start acting like that. And women to each other. Y'all need to start acting like that to the other Ladies. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No matter what you've done in your life, God still loves you. He loves you. Just think about it. What what would it look like for you to be under immense pain and at that moment being killed and murdered for for what you believe and in that moment for you to say to your murderer or your, your killer, I forgive you, I love you. Many of us cannot even fathom that. I can't fathom that. But that's exactly the intensity of God's love for me and for you. The kind of love that the Father has for us that is greater than hate. So when we sin against God, that's hatred towards God. Instead of God doing us what we deserve to get, he says, no, I forgive him instead. Finally, the fourth thing that the resurrection teaches us is that life is stronger than death. That life is stronger than death. Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. The light of the world has come, and he has overcome all of the darkness of the world. Death was a formidable foe, but Jesus has taken his sting away. We know that if a man dies now, and if he's a believer in Christ, one day he will live forever in heaven. We know that now. And what I'm talking about here is salvation. Now, when you hear the word salvation, many of you all think about a team of rescuers, right? Like maybe the Coast Guard, maybe you all seen that movie with Ashton Kutcher, The Guardian, with Kevin Costner, if you haven't seen it, it's old, okay? He's like in the Coast Guard, and he's out rescuing people. Maybe you think about like the the Navy SEALs, maybe you think about SEAL Team 6 or whatever, that type of movie where there's a team of rescuers going into a place, and they're going to put together a rescue plan to bring someone out of danger, out of the darkness, out of trouble's way, and probably out of the arms of death and And save them. And that's exactly what God did for us when he assembled his rescue team. When he assembled his rescue team, it consisted of himself, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And through that team, he sent Jesus on earth to live and to die for us. God's rescue plan for our salvation was as simple as sending a baby in a manger. To come to Earth, to be born in the poorest of pores. (coughs) Excuse me. To grow up poor, to grow up without things in their life, and to live a life of simpleness, and to grow up without sin, and to one day at the age of thirty to start his ministry to be baptized, so that everyone could see what he was all about. To, to, to be baptized and show an example for us and to go out and to heal people, to feed people, to serve people. To live a life without sin so that whenever we look at him, we have an example of how we're to live and for him to come to be sacrificed for our sins on the cross, to be the perfect spotless lamb for us. You see, the way back it was back in the day to be forgiven for your sin, you had to go through a lot of work. You had to take a spotless lamb or a spotless dove or whatever type of animal that, that you could find and you had to take it to the priest and you had to say so many prayers. You had to do a, all these rituals and traditions. You had to go through like all these prayers and all these things and sacrifice this animal and that animal would be a, a atonement or payment for your sin because whenever we were sinful, the Bible says there's a payment for that. So we would sacrifice that but Jesus came he was the perfect sacrifice for us for all of eternity. He bled and died on the cross for you and for me. And He rose again. And I think that's the whole point of today. The whole point of the celebration today is that. It's not to celebrate with Easter eggs. It's not to celebrate the barbecue or pinata or games or jump houses or stuff like that. It's to celebrate that life was greater and stronger than death. And that you can have that life here today if you choose to surrender your life to him. This is you. You feel your heart beating faster because you know that God's speaking to you right now. You know it's in your life right now. You know you need this. So you can celebrate with worship to Jesus and for bringing us everlasting life. And we'll have a moment today here in a little bit. We're going to say a prayer But another way we can celebrate that today is through the Lord's Supper. Through the Lord's Supper. Now in a little bit, uh, we're going to pray and take the Lord's Supper together. This isn't a religious thing. Like there was no Baptists or Pentecostals or Catholics back when Jesus commanded his disciples to do it. He just told his disciples, hey man, every once in a while, take some bread, take some juice, take some wine. Remember me, okay? But when he did that, they did it in fellowship. That's what we're going to do a little differently here today. We're going to do something a little differently here today. Here at Impact City Church, we're about community. We're about bringing people together. We're about groups of people loving each other and being together as one. And everyone in this room has someone that they know or someone that they came with. And so what we're going to do today in just a little bit, we're going to pray. Then we're going to uh, have people come up to the front. You can come up to the front. You can come up whenever you want after you pray. And we're going to come up. You can come and take a piece of, of, of this bread. And you're going to take this, and you're going to dip it into the juice, okay? Now, if you've been in Impact City, you know that typically what you would do is you would put it in your mouth, eat it right then and there, and go sit down again, okay? But that's not what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to do something a little different, okay? Today, I want us to pick up the bread, and I want us to dip it into the juice. And then I want you to go and find a space here in the worship center with your family, With your kids, in a minute, uh, someone's going to go get the kids and bring them back over here uh, so that you can be with your kids and your family. And I want you to gather in a circle, wherever you're sitting. If you want to come to this corner, this corner back there, there's plenty of spaces up here. And I just want you to pray. Men, I want you to pray for your wives. I want you to be the man in your family and lead your family the way that they should be. I want you to step up. Uh, Women, if you're a single mom, I want you to love on your kids at this moment and pray with them. And I want you guys to take the communion and the offering together. During that time, we're going to have a song playing in the background, a video. And after you've done it, you can find your way back to your seat. You can pray some more. Then I'm going to pray and we're going to be, uh, say some announcements and we're going to be dismissed. But would you do that with me today? Would you go ahead and just be a little uncomfortable for a little bit in church? Like, I'm not asking you to, to get up and flop around or anything. I'm just asking you to seriously just get up, gather in a circle, and pray with each other. Because, listen, here at this church, we're about people. We're not about, you know, we're about tradition, but we're about making tradition new and fresh every day. And the disciples did this in family and fellowship. And I think that we can do the same. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you guys, and then once I'm done praying, you can go get the kids. Father God, thank you for today and thank you for all that you have given us. God, I pray that if uh, I would just give you thanks for the cross. I give you thanks for the cross and what you have done on the cross. How you bled on the cross for us. How you stripped yourself of your glory and you, and you separated yourself from the Father so that the Father could, could send down his wrath upon you instead of sending his wrath upon us. God, I pray that you would be our everything here today. That you would be our everything. That we may just strip away tradition. We may strip away things in our life that hold us back from you. May we reflect on the cross and the sacrifice that you have done. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you praise for the resurrection. We give you praise for the fact that you have come and you have risen from the dead so that we may have salvation. Those of you who are here in this room, if that is you here today. Maybe you, maybe you, I don't know why you're here. I don't know if you got a flyer. I don't know if you heard it on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if you were enticed by free barbecue, whatever it is, but you're here today. Maybe you're just not right with God right now. And I pray that you would just get right with God right now before you come up here and, and partake in this Lord's Supper, that you would get right with God. That you would say, God, just forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for all that I have done. I want to be closer to you, Lord. Know that there is grace for you, that God's grace is greater than all of your sin. And accept God's love for you in your life. Surrender your life here today. Christian, with every head bowed and every eye closed, that is you today. would you raise your hand, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you raise your hand, Lord, here today. Here in the room, if you have strayed from Jesus, maybe you have taken some time away from Jesus, and you've and you've kind of done your own thing. Lord, just know that Father has love for you, and He is coming back for you, and He is coming to love on you. Do you accept that love and grace here today. May we all just just uh, just pray for God's love in our life, and for God's forgiveness in our life, to continue. And Lord, may we just worship You here today. May You remember Your sacrifice, Lord. May You be everything to us. Here today, it's in your son's precious name. We pray all God's people said, amen. When you guys are ready, y'all can go ahead and start making your way up here.